0: The conclusion of Red Pottage by Mary Chomley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Simon Evers. The conclusion. It was autumn once more. The brambles were red in the hollow below Warpington Vicarage. Abel was gathering the apples in the orchard. Mr. and Mrs. Gressley were sitting together in the shade of the new porch, contemplating a triumphal arch which they had just erected across the road. "'Long life and happiness,' was the original motto inscribed thereon. Mrs Gressley, in an alarming new hat, sank back exhausted in her garden chair. "'The Pratt's are having six arches, "'all done with electric-like designs of hearts with their crest on the top,' she said. "'They are to be lit up at nine o'clock. "'Mr Pratt said he did not mind any expense on such an occasion. "'He said it made an epoch in the life of the county.' "'Well,' said Mr Gresley. "'I lead too busy a life to be always poking my nose into other people's affairs, "'but I certainly never did expect that Lady Newhaven would have married Algie Pratt. "'Ada and Selina say Algie and she have been attached for years. "'That is why the wedding is so soon, only nine months, "'and she is to keep her title, and they're going to live at Westham. "'I told Adie and Selina I hoped they did not expect too much from the marriage, "'for sometimes people who did were disappointed.' They only laughed and said Vi had promised Algy to take them out next season. "'We seem to live in an atmosphere of weddings,' said Mr Gressley. First, Dr Brown and Fraulein, and now Algy Pratt and Lady Newhaven. "'I was so dreadfully afraid that Fraulein might think our arch was put up for her "'and presume upon it,' said Mrs Gresley, "'that I thought it better to send her a little note, "'just to welcome her cordially and tell her how busy we were about the Pratt festivities.' and what a coincidence it was, her arriving on the same day. I told her I would send down the children to spend the morning with her tomorrow. I knew that would please her, and it is Mrs Baker's day in Southminster with her aunt, and I shall really be too busy to see after them. In some ways, I don't like Miss Baker as much as Fräulein. She's paid just the same, but she does much less. She's really quite short sometimes, if I asked her to do any little thing for me, like copying out that church music. Hester used to do it, said Mr Gresley. Miss Brown told me she'd heard from Hester and that she and Miss West are still in India and they mean to go to Australia and New Zealand and come home next spring. Was Hester well? Quite well. You know, James, I always told you that hers was not a genuine illness. That was why they were not there to see her. It was only hysteria which girls get when they are disappointed at not marrying and are not so young as they were. Directly poor Mr. Scarlet died, Hester left her room and devoted herself to Miss West, and Dr. Brown said it was the saving of her. But for my part, I always thought Hester took in Dr. Brown and the Bishop about that illness. "'I should not wonder if Hester married Dick Vernon,' said Mr. Gressley. "'It is rather marked they are going to Australia when he went back there only a few months ago. "'If she had consulted me, I should have advised her not to follow him up.' A burst of cheering echoed by piercing howls from Bulu, locked up in the empty nursery. "'I hope Miss Baker has put the children in a good place. "'She's sure to be in a good one herself,' said Mrs Gressley, "'as she and her husband took up their position by the gate. "'More cheering, a sudden flourish of trumpets and a trombone "'from the volunteer band at the corner, of which Mr Pratt was Colonel. "'A clatter of four white horses and an open carriage.' A fleeting vision of Captain Pratt, white waistcoat, smile, teeth, eyeglass, hat waved in lavender kid hand. A fleeting vision of a lovely woman in white, with a wonderful white feathered hat and a large diamond heart, possibly a love token from Captain Pratt, hanging on a long diamond chain, bowing and smiling beside her elaborate bridegroom. In a moment they were past, and a report of cannon and field artillery showed that the East Lodge of Warpington Towers had been reached. And the solemn joy of the praps was finding adequate expression. Do "You look rather frightened," said Mrs. Gresley. "Such a magnificent reception is alarming to a gentle, retiring nature," said Mr. Gresley. More cheering, this time much more enthusiastic than the last, louder, deafening. Doctor Brown's dog cart came slowly in sight, accompanied by a crowd. They have taken out the horse and are dragging them up said Mrs Gressley in astonishment. Look at Dr Brown waving his hat and Fräulein bowing in that silly way. Well, I only hope her head won't be turned by the arches and everything. She will find my note directly as she gets in. Really, James, two brides and bridegrooms in one day? It is like the end of a novel. Postscript We turn the pages of the Book of Life with impatient hands and if we shut up the book at a sad page we say hastily... Life is sad, but it is not so. There are other pages waiting to be turned. I, who have copied out one little chapter of the lives of Rachel and Hester, cannot see plainly, but I catch glimpses of those other pages. I seem to see Rachel with children round her, and Dick not far off, and the old light rekindled in Hester's eyes. For hope and love and enthusiasm never die. We think in youth that we bury them in the graveyards of our hearts, but the grass never yet grew over them. How then can life be sad when they walk beside us always in the growing light towards the perfect day? End of the Conclusion End of Red Pottage by Mary Chumley